Hey, good afternoon, peeps. It's Tuesday, July 9th, 2019, and it's storming here right now. I'm actually not at home. I am cat-sitting, so I am in a mobile studio, so to speak. Today, we are going to be talking publishers who are not and the flying monkeys who enabled them. Let's do this. with Timber Dalton. Intelligence is dirty. Describes me and my writing. Well, the dirty part, the intelligence part, is sometimes a little up for debate. So today is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019, and this is episode two of season two, because we're going to get fancy like that. If you were listening to last week's episode one, I had some audio difficulties there towards the end of the uh, of the show. Uh, brand new microphone. I'm not sure if it was a buffering issue or not. So I'm doing some of the portions of today's shows pre-taped. And that way I can hopefully find out what the issue is. So thanks for joining me. I appreciate you tuning in today. And let's get started. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, let me do a little bill paying here. Uh, you can find me on the internet at timberdalton.com. That's timber with a Y. Uh, I also write as Leslie Richardson. That's Leslie with no E on the end because apparently I suck at picking pen names that are easy to spell. So you can find my books under Timber Dalton or Leslie Richardson and I have links to them all on my website at timberdalton.com. Everything dumps into the same website. I try to make it easier on myself and on you to find everything. You can find me on Twitter at uh, username Timber Dalton, and you can find me on Instagram, same thing, username Timber Dalton, and uh, oh, Facebook. I have, I actually have a couple of different digital real estate spaces on Facebook. I have the uh, the main one. My page is Timber Dalton. My profile is actually under Leslie Richardson, and then I have another page as author Leslie Richardson. But you can find me there also in my reader group, Timber's Tribe. And that's Timber and Tribe with Y because, again, I suck at picking pen names that are easy to spell, apparently. So you can join me there, and, and all of these addresses are linked over on my website at TimberDalton.com. And you can also reach me by email at TimberDalton at gmail.com. So at least I do one thing. I, I do it consistently so that you can find me under all of these. So if you can spell it correctly, then you can find me. Last week, I had a new release as Leslie Richardson. It's a standalone male-male-female contemporary romance menage. I know, right? I didn't put any kink in it. I know, it shocked me too. Uh, which is why I self-pubbed it as Leslie. So you can find that Polly, uh, Amazon, iTunes, uh, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, all those good places. And that's linked on my website as well. I would greatly appreciate it if you are the kind of person that does reviews, if you could review that. It's also listed up on Goodreads and BookBub, but especially if you buy books from Kindle and uh, you do review and, you're, and Amazon hasn't fucked you over and allows you to put reviews up, I would greatly appreciate reviews for it over on Amazon because Amazon has a secret sauce algorithm, and the more reviews that a book has, 
the more visibility it gets with their algorithm. So even if it's just a couple of lines saying, I liked this about it, this part didn't work for me, you know, just a couple of sentences, how it made you feel, anything like that. Honest reviews, please. I'm not I'm not saying, oh, they'd be good reviews because that's a dick move and I can't stand it when authors do that because I'm a reader first. So, and I've, I've actually bought books based on one-star reviews. And that's a whole other rant I can do at a different time is why authors should just suck it up about reviews because, honestly, there's been plenty of books I've bought when there was a one-star. This book has too much sex. One-star. Click. <laughs> One click for me. So uh, that's that's a whole discussion right there. That's like a whole show in and of itself. So if you could please leave reviews, I would greatly appreciate it. Or if you're ever on BookBub, uh, BookBub's a great place. It's non-toxic. <laughs> and like sometimes Goodreads gets a little toxic there. But the nice thing about BookBub is you can follow me there. And when I have a new release, it usually will send out a, a notification. Um, not always. There's a there's some sort of a thing there about whether or not it sends out one, but but usually it does. But if you also follow my newsletter, which is linked on my website, and I guess I should have included that in the bill paying section earlier. Uh, if you go to my website, timberdalton.com forward slash newsletter, you can sign up for my newsletter there. If you used to be on my Mailchimp newsletter and you haven't been getting one lately, uh, please go over and sign up. Or if you thought you signed up but you still haven't received one lately. Uh, double check, uh, try subscribing again, you might not have replied to the confirmation email. And if you don't reply to the confirmation email, it won't subscribe you. It's a two-step subscription um, process to keep people from subscribing you without your consent, because consent is huge. And those of you who know anything about me know that I'm a big believer in consent. So if you subscribe to my newsletter, you, newsletter, you definitely will not miss anything of what's going on in my crazy world because I send out alerts. So let me get started with today's rant of the day. Uh, apparently there is a uh, publisher who is in the process of making excuses for late royalties. Not my publisher. Uh, I just want to make that clear. I've been seeing posts by several authors on Facebook, especially about this lately. And this is something that periodically crops up. According to the reports that I'm seeing by my friends, the publisher is claiming that there's some sort of accounting software, insert your air quotes there, uh, issue, that they installed a new software issue and it's delaying payments. And this is not a, it just, started happening. This has been ongoing for a couple of months now. And it, for those of you who've been around Romancelandia for any length of time, if you think you're feeling a little bit deja vu-ish, it's because you are. Because when Alora's Cave ended up going on its downward spiral, that was one of the excuses used was, oh, we have a new accounting software. That's why we can't get you your royalties for the past three months. So here's the thing. Amazon, yes, and, and I will get to the Amazon issue in just a minute. Uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and Nook and Draft Digital and all these others, they send out monthly statements. They also allow you to go in and download your current up-to-the-month statement. It may not include all of that particular day's sales, but at any time somebody who sells eBooks on an on-site retailer, they can go in to their account and download reports. So they can see exactly how many books they've sold at any given time of any given title. 
because apparently that's another excuse that they're trying to use is that, oh, Amazon's slow paying us. So apparently there are some authors who are very close to the publisher who are belittling the authors who are complaining that they would like to get paid. I don't know about you, but when it's time for me to pay my mortgage or my electric bill, these particular entities don't tend to take, um, my publisher says it's an accounting software issue and they will uh, pay me when they, when they can. That excuse does not fly. They go, well, go get a payday loan or go get something and bitch better have my money. You know the Rihanna song? I posted a link to that. If, you have, if you've never seen Side, Side Squirrel here, if you've never seen the video for Bitch Better Have My Money, uh, go onto YouTube. It's the Vivo um, music, the official music video. It's got Mads Mikkelsen in it. It is, it is not work safe for starters, for nudity and uh, a little bit of language. So fair warning there. If if you haven't seen that video, go watch it. It's the movie. It's like a movie in and of itself. It's great. It's it's awesome. Um, but the thing is that when you go to pay bills, they don't accept. Oh, my publisher has an accounting software problem. So the fact that you can't open an Excel spreadsheet, import the data, and manually cut checks, really, really, you're gonna you're gonna dick people over. And there's authors who are close to the publisher who are bitching at the authors who are rightfully now going public and getting grumbly and saying, hey, this has been going on for a while. And this is a pattern of behavior that we have seen with other publishers before when they've started circling the drain, especially Allure's Cave. And, and if you've never seen the, have no idea what I'm talking about, just Google Allure's Cave uh, shutdown uh, I believe it was Dear Author who did I on my website, timberdalt.com, if you Google it, I've got some summations. There's there's other really great summations. Um, Deirdre, uh, oh, God, I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Deirdre. I'm sorry, I'm proud to butcher your name. Deirdre um, Soy's, I, I think is, um, I, I, I'm sure I linked to some of her. She had a great blow-by-blow -blow post going on. Um, but Alora's Cave for yours, you know, was using this excuse. Oh, accounting software. Accounting software issue, accounting software issue, and that's bullshit. Worst comes to worst, bitch, go buy a column pad at Staples in a pencil and manually figure out the royalties. You don't fuck your authors over. That's not your money. Any reputable publisher, when they get royalties paid out, they put that money in an escrow account or a separate bank account. It doesn't have to necessarily be in a quote-unquote escrow account, but the money gets escrowed in some way, shape, or fashion. So it is separate from the, the cut of the royalties that belongs to the publisher and goes into daily operating expenses. That's how it's supposed to be done. That's how legitimate publishers do it. So these authors that are bitching at the authors who are now grumbling because they want their money, they're, you know, oh, well, yeah. I, they're just lying. They're they're not. You know why why would you want to save this so people will stop buying books and then you won't get your money? Well, bitch, the money should have been there. There shouldn't be this. Oh well, if readers aren't buying, you aren't going to get the money. No, the the readers have already paid. They have already bought the books, and that money belongs to the authors, and should be going into an account that can't be touched for daily operating expenses. That's how it's supposed to happen. That's the way it should happen. And if that's not how it's happening, then that's a serious fucking problem. And no, I'm not even going to give you the, the buzzer for the, the warning of triggering. I mean, this, is, this, this shit pisses me off when publishers do this to authors. And then, especially if it's women, they're, they're like, they're tone policed until they show, oh, you should be quiet because, oh, that's, you don't talk about money. Bullfucking shit. 
If you went to work for 40 hours a week and then at the end of the week you're expecting a paycheck and your boss came up and said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, we have an accounting software problem and we don't know when we're going to get you your paycheck. Wouldn't that piss you off? Fuck yeah, it would. I mean, some of these authors, this is their primary source of income and they're counting on that money to pay their fucking bills. What's the publisher doing with it? Hello? Bitch better have my money. Because it's not the publisher's money. It's Once the book is sold, it there is a certain percentage of it contractually that goes to the author. It is not supposed to go into the publisher's operating expenses. Okay, so those who are defending the publisher and going after the authors who want their money need to just sit down and shut the fuck up. Because if you're getting your money, oh, great, sunshine, that's fine. You're special, apparently. But all these other authors want to get paid, too. And no, I'm not going to name the publisher. I'm not going to do that. They, I'm sure that they're going to be, you know, getting called out here publicly pretty soon. They already have been getting called out publicly by certain authors. Um, again, it's not it's not Siren Bookstream. It's not my author or my uh, publisher. Um, so far, knock on wood, they've uh, they've been paying me on time every time I. I have no complaints there. Uh, but but we see this shit happen again and again and again. And Allure's Cape is a really big one, and, and it was kind of sad that that happened because they were one of the, the you know, pioneers of e-books. You know, porn and e-books. It turns out pioneer, you know, digital downloads when the when everybody started getting the Internet, when everybody started getting these little AOL disks in the mail and being able to go, you know, and get online. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about or what that noise means, well, you know, just consider yourself lucky that you live in a Wi-Fi age uh, and you didn't have to, you know, get offline so that your mom could make a phone call. So I, I'm just sick of this shit. I'm, I'm sick of these authors getting screwed time and again, and then there's always the little little group of, of flying monkeys that are close to the publisher going, shut up, Sam, shut up, what are you talking about? No, fuck, flip fucking tables and make fucking noise. Because the only way you're going to get this problem solved is by casting sunlight out there because sunlight is the best disinfectant for this kind of bullshit. It really is, you know? And if any authors who are currently involved with that publishing house would like to come talk to me and do an interview, I would be more than happy to interview you here on my blog talk radio show. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And it is a contractual dispute. I don't know when it becomes a criminal dispute at that point. I guess if there's a pattern of malfeasance, I'm not, I'm, you know, disclaim warning, I'm not a lawyer and I don't even play one on TV. So I, I don't know. You can't just say, go arrest them for not paying me my royalties because it is a contractual dispute. Now, if it gets over a certain dollar amount, I know then was it like, usually it's like, what, $2,500 or $5,000? It goes from, from you know, to, into the grand theft territory or something. But I don't know what legal stipulations have to be in place versus what, what prerequisites have to be in place for it to become a criminal matter and get taken out of the hands of civil and put into the realm of criminal. Uh, I don't know that. But I would highly encourage any authors who are currently fighting for their money to get loud and flip tables. Fuck being nice. Because if the publisher was being nice, they would be say, excuse us, okay, we're, we're fucked up, we're in the process of writing out checks manually, we'll figure this out, and we're getting you your checks right now, and then the checks show up, or direct deposits, or whatever the fuck. Okay, so side issue, apparently one of the excuses, oh, Amazon's not paying us. Now, there is a slight delay that 
that myself, my in my self-pub funds and other authors have been noticing. It has to do with the uh, France, I think it was France, Italy, Germany, Netherlands, um, France, Italy, Germany, Spain. I don't, anyway, the, the EU ones. Now I got my UK payment, my Canada payment, of course, my, my American payment, the US payment, uh, Australia paid, I think, Jap I think the Japanese payment paid out. I think Brazil paid out. So apparently there's something in the EU countries there several authors are reporting that yeah they haven't they should we should have had our, our payments at the end of the month and Amazon's now saying oh it should be fixed by the 11th which is what in two days as of yet I still have not had that I'm waiting for like I think $350 worth from Amazon um, I tagged them on Twitter and as well as emailing them and I'm going to be posting it again on Twitter so if you have not, you need to check, if you're a self-publisher, you need to go check your Amazon payments. Go in your KDP dashboard. They have a, the tab for the payment history. Go check that. Make sure that you have everything in your bank account that is supposed to have been paid out. Because I know I, for one, yes, I am guilty about this. On my self-pub stuff, you know, I see the U.S., the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia, the, the English ones are usually the ones that the markets that I make, you know, especially the U.S. That's usually it's usually U.S., Canada, Australia, and U.K. are my four big ones, and and Canada is almost always second place to U.S. ones, and then U.K. and Australia usually flip back and forth by how much I've earned in either market. Um, and I, I admit, you know, I see those major payments come in, and I mean, because sometimes like I might I might sell like two dollars worth in Japan, or I might sell you know, you know, a dollar and a half in Germany. I don't always sell a lot. Um, but this, I had a new release, and so it was a little bit more than normal, and Amazon pays 60 days out. So if you earn money in January, you get paid March. So anything up to January 31st that is sold, you get paid by March. Usually 29.30 is when the, the payments hit my direct deposit at my U.S. bank. Uh, so, yes, Amazon is got a, some sort of a snafu going on with a few of the markets. However... Nobody that I know of is reporting delays with payments from U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia. I have not seen any reports of those delays. And some people have gotten their, their France and Italy and everything payments. Some people have, excuse me, but not everybody. Um, but a publisher trying to use that as an excuse is just fucking bullshit because you pay what you got. Yeah, and a lot of times the publishing contracts will actually stipulate saying, you know, we'll pay the monies that have been paid. To us, you know, monies that only monies that have been received. So pay what you've been fucking received. Don't hold a whole fucking payment just because you haven't gotten Italy and France and Germany in there yet. I mean, duh. That's just another fucking excuse. At the very least, they should be sending out royalty statements, even if for some fucking reason that aliens abducted their accountant or whatever, they're not sending out a check. They should be sending out a fucking royalty statement. Period. If your contract does not stipulate that you will, will also get a royalty statement every whatever your payment, uh, you know, payment period is, then you should not have signed that contract, for starters. I do have a thing on my website also, bad publishing contracts deconstructed, where I go through what's bad and, you know, what you should be looking for and not signing if something's bad. Um, so the publisher that is that I'm currently discussing, they really need to get their fucking shit together. Because I, for one, have no problem going public posting shit. I have no skin in the game. I don't have any books with you. So if I've got friends who are reporting these issues and they want to remain anonymous so they don't get retaliated against and would like to go 
forward and go public with a lot of what's going on, bring it. I will fucking help you out because I'm tired of seeing authors get screwed. I'm tired of it. And this is why a lot of authors now are going in indie and not going with publisher because unfortunately we've seen anybody thinks they can open a publishing house. Literally, anybody can open a publishing house. If you do it right, you form an LLC and you file your paperwork with the IRS if you're here in the U.S. Obviously, I don't know how it works overseas. I'm talking U.S. now. Um, open up an account with Amazon, put that little tax information and shit in there, and boom, you're a publisher. Open up a website, you know, pull up a draft contract from some fucking where off the internet, and haha, I'm a publisher. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. And unfortunately, too many people who aren't business people don't understand how much it, it takes to, to put into a business like that. It's a lot of fucking work. Just for what I'm self-pubbing now, because I know it's outside of Siren's niche, which again, that's for those of you who've missed that conversation, I, I say this, is I, I have no problem with Siren. I'm still publishing with Siren this timber. Um, but some of the books that I'm publishing are outside of their niche. You know, you don't go to a Ford dealership to buy a brand new Chevy or a brand new Honda. Okay, that's how I equate it. You know, like Harlequin is not going to be, you know, publishing, uh, you know, straight how-to cookbooks for the most part. I mean, maybe they are now. I don't know. But for, for the most part, you know, you stay within your brand. And what I'm self-pubbing is outside of Siren's brand, you know. So, I mean, duh. I mean, my, my timber readers expect a certain kind of book, and those kind of books I publish with Siren. You know, and they take a lot of the work out of it. They do the formatting. You know, they, they give me an editor to work with that I don't have to pay for. By the way, if you are with a publisher, you do not have to pay for editing. You should not have to pay for editing. You should not be paying for editing. And if you are, you should not have signed that contract because that's not how it works. If you've got a publisher who is a real publisher, not a vanity press, then you should not – editing should be included as part of the services. Editing, covers, distribution, all that. Formatting. When you're self-pub, you got to handle it all. You've got to arrange with the editor, pay for the editor, do the cover. I, I do my own covers as Leslie. I make my own covers. I'm, I'm re reasonably decent at them. I do my own formatting because I have Scrivener, uh, and I can do all my own formatting that way. Uh, I do my distribution. I have my accounts with uh, – I actually do have my own accounts with Barnes and & Noble and Kobo, but I've been lately started using uh, draft to digital for doing those kind of aggregations because it's just a little easier, and it means I only have to change a file one place versus two or three or four, and it gets me into overdrive. So if you have a library system that uses overdrive, my, most of my Leslie books should be available in overdrive. You can just request them through your library. Um, I don't know if Siren has my timber books available through there or not because I'm not involved in that part of the process, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so so these little you know publishers that start you know they they do great they they have great intentions they start out great and I'm not saying the people are evil, I'm saying they've probably gotten overwhelmed and they've dug themselves a hole because they're using the accounting software excuse and maybe accounting software was originally the excuse and maybe they had to okay we need to borrow from Peter to pay Paul because we ran so short this month and you know. Okay, and uh, because not all books sell. They don't. Let's let's just be honest. Not all books sell. Not all books sell well. You might only sell two or three copies a month of your book, and that's not going to pay the publishers' bills. And so, publishers, if you're if you're thinking about opening your own publishing house, be advised you probably will run in the red for a good year and a half to two years before you start to see results and start to operate in the black again. So you need to have an outside day job that pays your bills and you need to have money in reserve. Because when authors get 
paid when you when you sell books that authors have contracted with you and you say that they get a certain percentage of the royalties that money better be in their fucking account or you better be sending them a check that's going to clear don't fucking keep that money because it's not yours and if you can't do that then you need to reverse rights immediately ethically that's what you do and say okay we're sorry we owe you this amount of money and we will start paying it off to you but unfortunately that's not the logic that all these little publishers use when they start to go bad because they need those books to sell to make the money that they owe but they get caught in a downhill slump and they get caught because because of course author i mean readers don't want to buy from this publisher and yeah, that does hurt the authors, but you know what? It's still hurting the authors that the publisher's not paying them what they fucking owe them. So, anyway. Let's take a quick break. I'm going to be at the Woodshed Orlando. Um, hold on, I'll play that promo for you. Listen, if any of y'all are in the Orlando area on Saturday, August 3rd, I am going to be at the Woodshed Orlando with their book club. They are reading uh, my Kimber Dalton release, A Roll of the Dice. So I'm going to be there from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Their address is 6431 Milner Boulevard, Suite 4, Orlando, 32809. And their website is thewoodshedorlando.com. How easy is that? It's free, but you have to be 18 years of age or older. So come on out and see me on Saturday, August 3rd, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at woodshedorlando.com. So you're listening to Oralingus with Timber Dalton. Intelligent, but dirty. You can find me on the web at timberdalton.com. And I also have a newsletter if you would like to subscribe. No spam, just updates. And that's at uh, timberdalton.com forward slash newsletter. Uh, I've got all my links to my digital real estate over on my website. And if you're following me as Leslie Richardson also, which is my real name, um, my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, BookBub, my Amazon pages, all of that is linked over on my website at TimberDalton.com. I do have a Facebook readers group. It's called Timber's Tribe. Timber with a Y and Tribe with a Y. If you'd like to be on my show, if you're an author or in the publishing industry or blogger and you'd like me to interview you, give me a shoot me an email at timberdalton at gmail.com and let's chat. I like to help out the uh, I like to help out people in the industry. Right now I've got my Governor Trilogy box set. Uh, writing is Leslie Richardson. It's a political romance trilogy. And I've got uh, several other trilogies set in that same world. If you enjoy Billions or The West Wing, Boston Legal, uh, L.A. Law, any those shows like that, um, you know, Madam Secretary, if, if you're a fan of any of those kinds of TV shows uh, or the movie Days, you remember that one, um, you might enjoy my Governor trilogy. It's Governor, Lieutenant, and Chief. It's their male, male, female. Um, and I've got a couple other trilogies based on this, but the, the governor trilogy I actually have available right now for a limited time is a box set and you save a couple of dollars if you buy it as the box set. So if you go to my website, you can see that information right there. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Kobo, all of those. 
Uh, my next release is going to be as Leslie Richardson, Tuesday, July 30th. It's Farborn, the sequel to Jailmates. It's in my Maxim Colony series. It's a, a human male and an alien. He's actually non-binary. Uh, a little bit of impreg in there. So I had fun writing this one. I hope you're going to like it. And the third one in this series is actually underway also. I don't have a set release date for that one. It is available for pre-order like through Apple and Barnes and & Noble and Kobo. I can only do Amazon pre-orders 90 days out. So right now what I've got it set up as is December 31st for the release, but it's going to come out sooner than that. But I can change the release dates everywhere else. Once I set the release date at Amazon, if I don't make it, they cut off my ability to do pre-orders for a year, which kind of sucks. But that's Amazon. So what are you going to do? Uh, in case you missed it last week, I did a reading from Polly, the release I just had last week as Leslie Richardson, a male, male, female, contemporary uh, menage. You can go find that episode over uh, on my Orlingus channel right here, which if you're listening to me right now, you probably know how to find that. <laughs> or you can go to my website, uh, the, or I've got a page there for my Orlingus broadcast, and you can download any of any of my past episodes, including the older ones from uh, back in 2010, 2011, which I'm calling season one. And this is season two, only a slight break there. And, uh, the, if you missed last week's also, one of the reasons why I'm getting back into doing my podcast is because I need to get myself back into vocal training. I'm going to start recording my Leslie Richardson books as audiobooks, And that takes a little bit of practice and arrangement and I'm still working out the whole mic issue and I've got to set up a little temporary studio kind of thing with some acoustic panels and a refrigerator box probably and get myself used to doing that kind of vocal work again because it is a whole different thing than just sitting and talking like we're doing right now but anyway so also if you follow me on Facebook you see I've, I've posted I've got a new phone my husband's phone was almost dead it was on its last legs and my i have an iphone had an iphone 6s that was paid off still in great shape just a little over two years old and he had an iphone 5s i think it was so it didn't cost me anything to swap my phone for his to give him mine and of course i got a new one yay that's one thing i usually get the new ones of is phone and and i really have been wanting a new phone so i got a friend of mine has the iphone excess max and it was like oh my god that's awesome and i use it a lot for work and and stuff too and i need to be able to have you know as a as a hot spot in case i'm working somewhere where i don't have reliable wi-fi and it does these great things you have to be in portrait mode if you're on facebook I'm, i think some of the android phones do it too but it has a specific not portrait orientation versus landscape but it's an actual portrait mode where it'll, it, it kind of isolates the foreground, the face in the foreground, and kind of blurs the things in the background. So if you have that mode, then you go into Facebook. You've taken pictures that specifically are in that portrait mode. And then you go over to Facebook, and you go to upload a picture. What you do is go hit the button to upload a picture, and then click within the text box where you – so it opens up the whole list of options below that, and you'll see the 3D picture uh, option button down there. And then you click the 3D button, and it'll bring up on your your phone. It'll it'll show you what is available um, that you've taken that actually meets the criteria that it can turn into a 3D picture. And so I posted one over on my my Facebook page, my uh, Facebook.com uh, forward slash Timber Dalton, and I posted one of my cat Grimmy, 
And it, it really is a cool effect. I mean, I've posted, I think I posted one or two in my Timbers Tribe group. I've, did, I've done some of Kiwi also. It, so it really is neat. It's a neat toy, <laughs> I have to admit. Um, yeah. But this phone will last me as long as I don't kill it. This phone will last me several years because my, my first phone, first iPhone before my 6S was the iPhone 4S. And it actually lasted me several years. It lasted me, I think, four or five years. I mean, I had more than paid it off. And it finally, it started giving me issues, and I had to upgrade to the success. I usually don't upgrade to the newest phone right away. I usually wait a while before I upgrade, wait for several other iterations to be over. But I've been looking at my friend's phone at D&D, uh, our, our Dungeons & Dragons, for those of you who don't know. We have an ongoing D&D game every Monday night. And he sits right next to me at our big D and D table that we where we play. And I I see the pictures that he's been posting, some really amazing photos on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, I really like that. I want to be able to take great photos because I can take decent photos with with my iPhone success, but um, I wanted to take some better ones. So yay, now I can do that. So that's been fun. Um. So let's see. Oh yeah, if you're in my Timbers Tribe group, I gave a little sneak uh, teaser kind of thing. I'm in the process of writing a, we're in the outlining phase right now, of working on a new series with a really dear friend of mine. And I can't even give you their pen name yet because they haven't chosen one. So once they do that, I can give a little more information. But it's going to be in the lit RPG um, genre. And it's going to have a, a science fiction fantasy. Then it's going to be a related set of three trilogies, so nine books total. And if we, we we're not sure if we're going to expand past that or do something different once we get this initial trilogy written. But my friend just started a new job, so their time is kind of limited right now. But we started the the outlining process and everything. And I'm really excited about this because I've I've known this friend for for years and years and years and years. And for for mumble mumble decades, um, <laughs> and I'm I'm really excited about this collaboration because we work well together with things like this with creative type projects, and I I know it's going to be amazing when we get done with it. I'm just I'm so excited about doing this. Uh, so once I have more information that I can I can give you, I will tell you that. So that's that's a little teaser right there. Um, let's see what else are we going to talk about here. Uh, so anyway, let me go ahead and play real fast. Let's see. No, I played that last week, so you can go download it from last week. Actually, I don't want to play that. Um, so let's get back to the main ring that we were talking about earlier about publishers not paying on time. If you're an author, you have every right to demand that you get paid. And if a publisher is failing to meet their obligations to you the contractually, I mean, it, it, sure, it's one thing to say, okay, well, this person's really nice and I don't want to dick them over. Okay, that's, that's great, but this is a business. Your mortgage company is not going to say, okay, well, well, because they're your friend and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be a bitch and, okay, well, we'll wait. No, the, the mortgage company is going to say, bitch, better have my money. And, again, if you haven't seen that Rihanna video, you, you need to go watch it. It's great. It's not work safe. Fair warning. But unfortunately, this is something that we have seen a lot of lately because it is so easy for somebody to go start a publishing company. And 
to be quite honest, I've actually, when people have come to me and said, well, you know, what, what should I do? You know, if you're not going to try to get a New York house publisher and, and they have their, their pros and cons being a traditional you know, trad pub, New York published author is not necessarily without its inherent risks. For starters, you might never earn out, if you are lucky enough to get an advance, you might never earn out that advance, meaning you might never earn another dollar from that book. Uh, there's actually some authors who've had decent luck becoming successful self-published first, and then they get an agent and start marketing things around and it get, they get picked up by a publisher at that point. Because one of the things that can happen if you're with a traditional publisher, if you're not selling well, if they don't put enough money into your title to start with, and your first say you've got a series, say you've got a, a four book series. Well, if you if they don't put enough money behind you, to, because there's a lot of things that, that traditional publishing houses do, like say with Barnes and Nobles. I mean, they pay to put you on an end cap, or they pay to put you in front of store. That's all stuff that that they front out money to do. You don't just magically end up there. It's a it's a massive deal, and if they don't put enough money behind your title, well, then they go, well, you didn't really sell much of the story, so we're not gonna we're not gonna put other books in the series. Uh, you're kind of hosed at that point because you are now kind of stuck with this. What are you gonna do? So sure, putting out a book is hard, and you may have to put somebody to get a decent cover. If you don't know how to to do covers, then you may have to pay somebody. To, don't just do one on Fiverr, please, and don't just use. Don't just use the generic built-in default Amazon cover generator. Oh, my God. Please. You know, get yourself a deposit photos account and find a decent piece of stock art. And if you don't know how to make a cover, then find somebody who does and say, hey, can you add this is, you know, find several, at least five books in your genre that are selling well on Amazon. And I'm not saying copy the cover. But I'm saying look at the certain styles of those particular books that are most like yours. So say if if Amazon in an ideal world, if Amazon put up on their algorithm also bots or you might also like this book, find at least five or ten books that that fit that same genre. It means you're going to have to do a little homework, yes. Maybe the bullshit, oh, there are no other books like mine because there are. There are. And then find something that works within this. Start analyzing some of these best-selling books and see why are they selling so well and what do they have in common on the covers? What works, what doesn't? What color combinations, what font styles? It's not just a matter of, of you know, the title and the author. It's making sure that the font color works with the graphic, it, it, the font style. Because if you put something really freaking ornate, then sometimes it's hard to read. It may look pretty, but remember when people are looking, especially if it's on their phone, they may be looking at a preview that's only like 100 pixels by 150 pixels, if that. And if it doesn't, if it's not legible, they're not going to be able to read it. It makes no sense. So you want something that, that's going to be legible at a smaller size on a, on a handheld screen, not just on your huge-ass 30-inch monitor. And you're going to want colors that work that don't disappear. Is it going to be a series? So are you going, is it going to work if you brand it across where you put the, the author name, the, you know, the pen name in one spot for all the books and the same fonts for the titles? Is that same font going to work for all of your titles? Will that color work for all of your, you know, the, the graphics that you have chosen? Like with my, as Leslie with my, um, sorry, that was 
<laughs> blood advisory in effect. Um, if I don't know if that came through or not. Um, but if you uh, if if you notice on my Leslie Richardson um, titles with like my Governor trilogy, Devastation trilogy, Determination trilogy, uh, the Deviant trilogy, Inequitable trilogy. So each trilogy has its own style. And but for the books, you know, they the title font is colors the same and the pen name font and style is the same. And then I work it for each of those three books in that trilogy. And there's a different, you know, stock art cover. Some of them are, are composite. Some of them I've, I've done some stuff to. Some of them I didn't have to do too much to at all, fortunately. So you, make, you, you need to plan this kind of stuff out. And don't just go downloading free clip art from Google. It, just because it's on Google doesn't mean you can use it. All right? There's copyright issues. Just because it's on Google or on on some free clip art, because even if it's on a free clip art site, that might not mean that it's legally available. They may somebody may have uploaded it who didn't have the right to because they didn't know they couldn't upload it. So you're better off going go and get yourself a deposit photo account. They've got like I think I'm paying it's like thirty bucks a month for thirty pictures, and I I'm like accumulating pictures because the credits roll over. I haven't used all of them, so go get yourself invest a little money and go get yourself a deposit photo account. So point number two that I see a lot of people bitch about, okay, if you buy something from a stock art site, like deposit photos, and I say to, I keep saying deposit photos because that's where I'm using. I was I did have one with iStock photos, but then Getty Images bought it, and they changed their pricing structure, and I was like, Pfft. so I, deposit photos had a sale, and I signed up for that. Um, and there are a lot of great independent photographers, too. You're going to pay more money, but let me get, finish my thought here. Sorry, squirrel. If you get something from, say, deposit stock photos then, or deposit photos, there's a stock photo site, okay, a hundred other people can buy that exact same photo and put it on their book. It doesn't mean somebody else is copying you. Now, if you deliberately buy that photo to copy somebody else's book, that is a dick move, but it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't going to have that stock photo on their book. And there's nothing illegal about that. If it's from, you know, it's not an exclusive license, it's not or copying unless you are deliberately copying something and again that's a dick move and you shouldn't do that but uh, Michael Stokes is a photographer who does some great stuff and there's um, oh god uh, Jean-Paul oh what the hell is his name oh my god I'm sorry I'm butchering this Jean-Paul um, Sears I think uh, he has a lot of great uh, stock photos romance photos um, Furious Photog they've got some great amazing photographs and it, yeah it's going to be pricey you're going to be spending probably a couple hundred dollars. But if you want something exclusive, that's what you're going to have to do. You know, you're going to have to shell out more money. And then you can have an exclusive photo. And if somebody copies it, then you and the photographer can both go, hey, no, you're not allowed to do that. So self-publishing is hard. You have to hire an editor you know, and, and have it edited. If you don't know how to do formatting or don't have software that can do decent formatting, you have to have that done. And there's some great software out there that does that. I use Scrivener, uh, and it makes pretty decent eBooks. And I also I, I manually format my print books right now in Word. I was looking at Vellum. I was going to get Vellum, but then I started playing around with the free trial of Vellum. I'm like, mm. it may be just that I wasn't unlocking certain aspects of it. Um, I have it. I need to sit and play with it some more before I actually, because that's a $250 investment buying the full version. A vellum and right now I can it takes me a little longer to do my ebooks in Word, but I like to manually make sure there's no widows and orphans. Um 
um, that there's, you know, like, you know, two words on one page at the top of one page before the chapter break, things like that. I like to style my chapter breaks a certain way. So I need to actually um, look at vellum more because I've got friends that swear by vellum, that use vellum all the time and love it. So that may be a purchase that's in my future. But anyway, and then you got to get your accounts with all the the different distributors. So I get it. It's a lot of work. But TradPub is not the answer to all your your ills. You know, any any job that you're going to do requires putting a lot of work into it. And self-pubbing is very rewarding in some ways. You know, my Timber Dalton titles are still my primary um, backlist. Right now I've got, I don't even know how many books I've got written right now over 160 titles what last count I don't most of those are as timber and yes I write all my own books I do not hire ghost writers I never have and I never will all those are written by little old me I am a speed touch typist with a caffeine addiction with a semi-retired husband who takes care of everything else around our house so that I can literally sit and write all day there's some days where I'm 12 14 16 18 hours a day in my office or in in bed with the laptop and you know, in my lab, uh, and it's a lot of work. I I love what I do. It's full time job. There's no guaranteed pay. That's why piracy hurts. It's don't don't be a dick and upload or download from file sharing sites. Just don't be a dick. You can't afford the book. There's plenty of legally free available books on Amazon and elsewhere. Project Gutenberg has a lot of free books. Your library system. If they have overdrive, you know, you can get a lot of books for free through your local library system. Ebooks. So don't be a dick and say, well, I can't afford it, books are expensive. You know, especially if you're posting pictures of Instagram of you, your Starbucks, your $5, $7 Starbucks. Good Lord. Or you're, you're vaping. How much money are you spending there? But you're going to steal an ebook because literally that is stealing. File sharing is stealing. You're walking into my house and taking money out of my wallet. And I'm not rich. I'm not Stephen King. If I was Stephen fucking King, you know, I would. I I wouldn't have to worry about where my next paycheck is coming from, or I wouldn't have to be sitting there chasing Amazon for, you know, 300, 350 bucks that they still owe me from, you know, EU payments. And again, that was, it's just because I happened to see a post on Facebook from another author that I actually saw that that, you know, was circling around to that issue that I actually saw that I was missing some money. I didn't realize that I had been. So I need to actually go back and make sure I need to, Paperwork, yeah, something else. If you're self-pub, you gotta check, do paperwork. I mean, if you're if you're published, whether it's TradPub or with another, you know, a, a small indie house, you still have to check your royalty statements and make sure everything's adding up. I mean, duh. And that I do do every quarter. I do check my quarterlies. And so far, I've literally, I think the biggest discrepancy I found, you know, was like five or six cents and it was and it can be attributed to rounding the way that the, if, if a book was on sale or something and it means like literally pennies the only time I did find one that was a couple of dollars is there was a book that I had made a sale on a book and it said that it was like $17 and it I, I knew that that wasn't right because of the the book had, it was an older book and it hadn't been on discount for it to sell that many copies and so I said I was like I is this correct? And they found out that actually it was through Google Payments. They had added Google Payments had added another um, another currency, another sales outlet on their end. And then when the publisher 
imported the data, there was they didn't catch that it was a new additional market, and it was actually a, it was like seventeen dollars in my favor, and they're like, just keep it because they're like, yeah, but that, you're like, no, don't worry about it. Thank you for bringing it to our attention so we can fix it. So, so yay. Is it the monopoly thing, bank penalty or bank bank error in your favor? I don't want much, but you know. So I do check those and I need to actually go back and double check my Amazon stuff and make sure that I'm getting, I mean, I check the big ones, but like I said, usually when, if, if I have payments from EU countries that are more than $5, it's amazing because I normally don't because those are primarily if people speak English in this country, but they're not primarily English book markets and I don't have my books translated. If and now if I had translated books, I would expect greater sales in those markets, which I don't that's something eventually I'll work on. But again, it takes money to do that. And I because I don't speak a lot of languages. I sometimes don't speak English all that well. I talk for a party. Um, but anyway. So publisher malfeasance. And again, if you are, those of you who are having trouble with that particular publisher, know who you are. If you would like to contact me at timberdalton at gmail.com. And if you'd like to either give me some information that I can anonymously attribute um, a written statement, or if you would like to come on and be interviewed, I'd be happy to do that too. And we can do it uh, live where I can, I can tape it through Skype. Let me do a Skype interview. And then that way we can both sound intelligent because I can edit it a little bit it out you know if we if we flub or goof up or whatever but anyway so uh please buy my books i write as timber dalton and leslie richardson you can find me on the web at timber.com timber with a y and my leslie richardson uh, leslie no e on the end of leslie l-e-s-l-i richardson also goes to the same website and i still get people like oh i didn't know you write as leslie well it's on my website because i have a big blog header or big header image that says my, my Facebook profile is Timber and Leslie. Um, I do have a separate author Leslie Richardson page because your profiles and pages are different. Uh, so anyway, we're almost out of time. We've got 10 minutes left here, so I'm going to wrap this up. Let's see. My new phone. I talked about my new series. Asked if you want to be on here and talk to me. Uh Last week, I did find on the playback when I looked, I did have some, I've got a new microphone that I used for the first time last week, and I had some audio issues. I'm not sure what caused the buffering issue on my end or what the problem was. So hopefully, they've it's resolved itself this week. We'll see on the playback when I go look at it. You can, you can if you can't catch me live on these episodes, you can go to um, my, my oral link is page on my website, and I've got the little player there where you can actually download them. Doing some future episodes on on publishing on BDSM because yes, in real life I do help run a BDSM dungeon. No, it's not like what you see in a lot of books. We're like a kink, we do, we're a kinky community center. Um, no sex, no drugs, no alcohol. So it's not like in the books. And again, I'm not book shaming. Fair warning, I am not shaming. I book shame. Um, but a lot of the books that are written about BDSM are written by vanilla writers who've never set foot in a BDSM play space. Uh, so. Yeah, I actually, I know of which I speak. I, I teach Lifestyle 101 classes because I like to educate. I like people to be safe. I want people to be safe. And that may sound, that's boring. That doesn't sound very sexy. Uh, but, you know, I've seen too many instances where people, especially younger female submissives, just jump right into the deep end of the pool because they're, oh, shiny new. And they get, you know, what we call sub-frenzy. And then they end up getting, you know, basically they hook up with somebody who's a predator and they end up leaving the lifestyle and never coming back. 
which is a shame because they found their way there in the first place. Obviously, it's something we're looking for. So I like to educate. I like to tell people what to look for because I've seen a lot of shit happen. And my, that's why my Sunkist Society series is is based realistically. There's not a lot of billionaires and all the crazy shit going on. And we have a couple of characters that are like, there's like a movie star and um, it's like a, a, one of my characters, she works with a movie production company and things like that. But for the most part, they're real people and they're written realistically because it's stuff that I've seen really happen to people in real life. You know, the, they're loosely not based on real people, but I mean, because I, I don't, I mean, they're, they're inspired, I should say, because I don't ever, I, I always protect privacy. But I've seen, like, just for example, the one that The Woodshed is going to be reading um, in August, the, A Roll of the Dice. It's a male-female book. And it's a empty nest couple. Their son has just left for college. And now they're alone and trying to figure out how how do they redefine themselves now that they're technically, they're yeah, they're still parents, but they're not, you know, parents right now. They don't have a, a child in the house, so they can run around naked if they want to. What are, what are they going to do? And she is in a book club, which it turns out that Shayla – if you, if you read my story, Shayla and Tony. Um, Tony is actually the husband's boss, it turns out, and Shayla's in the book club. So Shayla, they inter- introduce the character to uh, BDSM books, and so that she's like, oh, this is this actually speaks to me and something I'd like to do. So now the husband is in the awkward position of he's, he has a serious problem with, with domestic violence because of his past, you know, experiences. And he's, I, I can't hit a woman. And if they doesn't understand, there's a, a huge difference between consensual BDSM and abuse, non-consensual abuse. So he has to work his way through that. And they're what, you're trying to find that balance between what works for him and what will work for her and how they mesh together coming, you know, reinventing themselves now in this dynamic. And I've seen that happen. I've seen plenty of times going to munches where you'll see people that I'm just recently divorced. And now I've, this is something that's always been on my mind. I've wanted to do it. Now I can do this or a couple will show up and the one couple is into it and the other couple's not, the couple's trying to get along. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I've seen, I've seen where it works, where the couple's kind of an understanding and the one couple that's the other one part of the couple that's not into it says that you can have certain play partners that do X, Y, and Z to you and everything else, you know, stuff that we do as a couple and so that they can get what, you know, the couple that needs this can get what they need, but the couple that doesn't want to do this isn't feeling that they're being left out or left behind. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I've seen many cases where it doesn't work either. Um, so it's always a learning process. But so I've seen this kind of thing happen. It's a very realistic situation. So I, that's why there's not a whole lot of, you know, impossible situations in these books because I want them to be realistic. I want people to be able to go, hey, it's me. And I've had readers email me going, thank you, because I was able to hand this book to my partner and go, this, me, here, please read, because this expresses what I've been feeling and have not been able to tell you. I want people to be able to do that with my books. I mean, yes, obviously I write them because I, I earn a living as a writer. I am a reader first, but these are things that speak to my heart. And I, I want people to be able to have something to take away. They, they are entertainment. Obviously, I do want to entertain people. But it, it's very gratifying to me as an author when somebody writes me and says, hey, thank you, because that's important to me as an author and as a human being, because I'd like to be helpful. I'm helpful. So, yeah. So some of the things also that they encounter in the, in the course of running the BDSM club, which I call Venture in the, in the books, it's based on the Tampa Bay Phoenix Club in real life, 
which yes, it's a real place, and yes, you can go if you are 18 years of old, age or older and you are not a registered sex offender. TampaBayPhoenixClub.com. I am their web wench and social media sadist. We like to joke. We're all volunteers. No no pro-dames or anything. We don't fix people up with play partners. Like I said, we're a kinky community center. We also host uh, you know educational events, community groups, things like that. Uh, so if, if you are in the Tampa Bay area or going to be in the Tampa Bay area, um, if you're, if you're going to get Shameless uh, Book Club's um, Shameless Book Con in October. I will be assigning author there. Uh, but while you're there, stop by the Woodshed Orlando because they are very, very similar to our facility, slightly different layout to their facility. But Master Cecil runs uh, the Woodshed Orlando. Very, very sweet. You know, the sweetest status you'll ever hope to meet. Um, <laughs> Hi, Cecil. Hi, Jeremy Winch. Um, Cecil and his girl. They're amazingly sweet people. In fact, we have groups of, of members that go back and staffers even. They go back to Twitchhead and Tampa Bay Phoenix Club. Um, we're very lucky in Florida. We're like the king capital of the U.S. Uh, I think maybe second to San Francisco, um, where they have Folsom Street Fair. But we have a lot of a, a lot of activities, and we have the Florida Power Exchange. We have FetishCon. Um, Beyond Leather happens usually over in Fort Lauderdale. But I think they moved it this year to I want to say West Palm Beach. I could be wrong, but somewhere around in there. There's a, a monthly uh, fetish circuit at the Honey Pot in Ybor City in Tampa. It's a fetish night, but that is because it happens in a bar where alcohol is served. You cannot do full nudity there, like the Woodshed and Tampa Bay Phoenix Club, where we do allow full nudity because we're both private membership clubs. Um, so that one you have to have you know nipples taped and, and you have to have a G-string or panties on when you play there. And also you're, the, the the one drawback is that it, it is in a bar, so there are you know the the security staff is is pretty good, but you know accidents can happen. Um, you know, you can have encounters that you might not have been expecting. So some people are comfortable with that and fine, and that's great. Rock on. Some people are not. And again, that's great. Rock on. Um, neither the, the Witchhead or the Phoenix Club allow sex. So we're not a swingers club. There are swingers clubs in the Tampa Bay area, and I'm sure there probably are in Orlando, I would imagine. I know there's one or two down in the Miami area. And there's also some fetish parties that happen on a regular basis down there. There's a, a big kink community up in Gainesville, Jacksonville, um, there's another one down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Um, go on if you go on Fat Life and look for events in those areas, uh, you can probably find them. I'm sure there's munch groups all over our state, coffee time groups. Then there's of course play parties and stuff. Um, I, I, this, uh, Fort Myers, Naples area. There's another one. So anyway, those are things we'll be talking about. And I do have a full episode you can download. Um, one of my earlier episodes from the season one. Um, of my show where you can go download that and uh, listen in about BDSM basics, real life basics. Me and my sister are talking about that. So that's an interesting discussion. So anyway, I'm going to wrap things up. I will be posting the next show here uh, in a couple hours. I'll, uh, when I'm going to do, I'll be doing next Tuesday, probably around the same time. So again, in the meantime, you can find me uh, timberdalton.com, timber with a Y. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, this was Orlingus with Timber Dalton. Uh, intelligent but dirty. I'll see you next time. Take care.